Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wednesday Night Wallop, Season 5, Episode 11, my lucky number. Ryland Turner and Kyle Joseph joining you as always. Kyle, we are 69% funded by the Canadian government. How do you feel? Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I feel good. Not about Twitter. I, I feel worse and worse about Twitter every day, let me tell you. But I feel good about wrestling. We'll say that. Yeah. This was a really good show, all jokes aside. Kyle, oh, God, man. Like, I feel like me and you have been kind of living on the burnout since WrestleMania this year. And this was a great episode of Dynamite. So let's get into that first segment. So it's time to talk about everything that comes with the world of wrestling and wrestling news. It is the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's the Wednesday Night Roundup. And we here at Wednesday Night Wallop are going to start off this by saying goodbye to some of our harsh competition Apparently, Dax Harwood is ending the FTR podcast with Dax Harwood. Um, Rylan, you were a fan of this podcast. Definitely had uh, a listen to a few of the episodes. What are your thoughts on this coming to an end? It's, it's sad. It's sad. I, I think this this was something good for the industry. I like listen. Uh, I don't know if Kyle would agree with me on this, but I think that it's good to have balance in the wrestling industry when it comes to podcasting. I listen to the guys at Post Wrestling. I listen to the guys at Poison Rana. I listen to Jim Cornette. I think that it's good to take it all in, see a different perspective, and understand why everyone feels the way they do. I don't agree with anything Jim Cornette feels almost entirely, but when I, I find myself getting giddy when I do when he agrees with me, if that makes sense. Um, and it's sad to see this podcast go. Apparently, there was a lot of uh, stuff in the AEW locker room that was at negative or was was, was um, negative coming out of this podcast uh, coming out. And uh, a lot of people being shitty on Twitter is the reason that Dax feels like it's necessary to end this podcast. Uh, it's too bad. Because it was nice. Again, it was nice to have an alternative to the usual, oh, everything's great. And he talked about the hard stuff. And I think that we, we, don't, uh, we don't hold that podcast high enough, I think. I think Dax Harwood's perspective was always very interesting about the world of wrestling. I think he is a very unique and interesting sort of place in the world of wrestling, but I hope this is just a him backing away from it temporarily. I'd like to see him return to this when things are better. He talked about something which is very interesting. I do think this is sort of something that I have, even personally with, with us doing this, it's always been kind of tricky, is he said, I don't have as thick a skin as I thought I did. And it's kind of a reminder that, you know, wrestling Twitter is fine at times but really toxic at other times and i feel like we need to remember more and this is just humanity in general or you know the internet in general we need to remember more that these people are people and that you know dax harwood is a person he's been a very human and very you know open about his his feelings and and everything that comes with it um since he's been basically with AEW, it's a shame that this is sort of the way things are going. 
uh, Rob in our, uh, well, like Rob, our WrestleQuizdom champion and uh, member of our group chat on Facebook, uh, his comment about this was, he thinks it's so fucking ridiculous. Dax was his favorite podcast. He said how he praised the Bucks. And while saying that they had issues, he was straight down the middle. Anyone who called his daughter names, uh, they should be... Uh, well, needless to say, uh, Rob's very upset about this. Yeah, and you know, it's it's upsetting that this is the way things had to go. And it's upsetting that, frankly, that he had to end this because of, you know, crappy online behavior. It's not really acceptable. It's not at all acceptable, frankly. No. We'll move along. Lots of news to cover today, including WWE is allowing their wrestlers to appear on Twitch because they've come to an agreement to take some of the money. Yeah. So the word is that the talent is happy with this. Uh, I don't know what the percentages are that WWE is getting out of this, um, but the talent's happy that they're able to do the Twitch thing again. So I think as much as like I agree that it's ridiculous that WWE gets a cut of this. It, listen, we, we, we knew that, that if, if they were going to allow any sort of outside whatever, that they were going to get a cut of it. And... I think it's a positive for the locker room that's probably right now very tense with the idea that Vince may be controlling things going forward. Um, there's been reports that the upcoming draft is going to be the first real uh, Triple H regime taking over. Um, so there's that. Um, Kyle, what are your overall thoughts? I, like, Do you think maybe we might finally get the music in the WWE video game featured on Twitch now that we have this deal. No, I, I honestly don't know. I feel like I'm not sure what WWE's sort of arrangement with Twitch is going to be. I This is just a way for the talent to at least be able to do some of this online stuff, which is nice. I just sort of is it, it is another thing where it feels like WWE is piggybacking off the creativity of their wrestlers and rather than and you know just basically say taking ownership of of people rather than them being you know a normal employer it's like I I have a job but they don't take a cut out of you know what we do here because that would right. be ridiculous they have nothing to do with that <laughs> I was gonna say we also have nothing to give them <laughs> that's also true, uh, you know that's also true. But uh, you know, I think the point stands that it's it's You're right. Anyway, we'll move along. Apparently, Goldberg wants a retirement tour. Yeah. So uh, the story is that basically him and Vince had a handshake deal that when it was time to hang up the Goldberg boots, they would do it properly. Um, and because they haven't come to him with some sort of an offer for this retirement uh, match. He's considering going on tour himself and doing a four-city tour. And uh, I guess having the last few matches of his career, ending his character the way he wants. Here's my thing. Look, Goldberg is what Goldberg is, and we all have our feelings about him in 2023. But in 1998, Goldberg was awesome. Yeah. You know, like this was a super over character that was well protected and the WWE in their first run with him did not protect. Since then, they've done a pretty good job of protecting him. Um, 
This is a guy who, if he wants his final like match and his final series of matches, and he 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 wants to fund it himself, go out there and do all that work himself. All the power to him. Like I don't have a problem with this. I like. Do, am I gonna have a problem if he put if he beats like one of the top indie stars in the world in his last match? Absolutely. But I, I'm just a b- big believer in every wrestler goes out on their back, and that's that's just me. But. I, I don't have a problem with this. I think it keeps him away from the WWE, which I think is a positive for anyone watching the WWE. It keeps him away from AEW, which is a positive for like Eric Bischoff challenged Tony Khan to book CM Punk versus Goldberg in Wembley, which don't get me wrong. I know, Kyle, you may disagree with me on this one, but that would that would put some some numbers up there. <laughs> I think there would be interest in that, which is sad, but um no, I don't have a problem with this. I, I think that all the power to the guy, like, I've not been the biggest fan of him over the last few years, but, like, I get I get it. You want to end your career, you want to do it your way, and you want to go out, you know, riding off into the sunset. And, and I have no problem with that. What are your thoughts? Honestly, if it was a one-off appearance, I wouldn't hate him showing up in AEW for a short match. Like, the reality with Goldberg is that he is an iconic figure. People still very much love him. And as a WCW character, he was a unique and fascinating talent. I think ultimately my feelings about Goldberg at this point is that we're still doing this. Which, you know, good on him that he's able to keep going with it to a degree. It just feels like this, you know, I, I, I'm kind of with him. I'm sort of kind of over it, but you know, if he finds stuff that is interesting, I know, you know, if Big E actually returns, Lord knows he wants that match more than anything. So uh, that would be something I'd like to see, just for that reason, because you know, I right. like wrestlers getting the things they like. But, Big meaty men slapping meat. Yeah, and you know, if that's what he wants to do, that'd be great. I, I to me, I feel like. Goldberg at this stage is, I mean, he is like after the the match he had with Undertaker. I feel like that was the the low point for Goldberg. So long as he's gonna be continue to be entertaining and continue to be a name or whatever it is, I think people will still come to it. But I don't know that I need to see another Goldberg match personally. I will say the fact that the next opponent for Goldberg after Undertaker was Dolph Ziggler should speak volumes for Dolph Ziggler. I mean, it was it was Dolph Ziggler basically because they needed Goldberg to come out and beat up somebody to try to get his shine back after the disaster that was that Saudi show. After the disaster that is every Saudi show. Um, we'll move along. Apparently, Nick Aldis has signed to work for Impact. Rylan, what are your thoughts on this? Disappointing. Listen, I like Impact. I think that Impact is definitely a prominent company, and if he's getting a good paycheck out of it, good for him. But listen, like I understand that the, the pools are big in AEW and WWE, but this guy's a star, and he's on his like last run. Really, like he's on his last full, like, I'm healthy, I can have decent matches run. And I just, I I hate to see a guy who I've been watching since he was Magnus and like Gladiator Magnus at that 
just end up here. Like, I don't know, man. Like, this guy held the two, or the 10 pounds of gold for God knows how many days. And for me, for me as a wrestling fan, I know that a lot of people don't hold that to as high of a standard as I do. It's a big deal to me. Like, the NWA championship is important, I think, for guys who are not in the, the two big systems. And it was, it's really disappointing that he couldn't crack a deal with either of those systems. And, I mean, like, again, no shade on Impact. I think they do good work over there. And for the most part, it's a, it's a very Canadian company in that sense. Like, we, we've got... Um, Scott Demore running the show, and he's a very proud Canadian, and I love that. I really do love that, that that a Canadian company bought the company, and that a Canadian guy is basically running the show. Thumbs right up. But sad that this is where Nick Aldis wound up, for me, anyway. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, I told you off air, as much as I would love to have seen Nick Aldis on WWE, because I think he fits so well as yes, a WWE yes. character. They sent his wife's stuff home in a trash bag. Those people are still employed at WWE and indeed still running WWE. They sent his wife's stuff home in a trash bag. Like Actually, uh, th- to that point, I-, I do believe that the person who sent her stuff home in a trash bag has been fired and was over that incident. That's true. But I'm just saying that I feel like decisions were made that ultimately we're going to mean Nick Aldis is going to hold a grudge against WWE. And, yeah, I feel like that's justified. If he doesn't want to go there, or moreover, if he doesn't feel like he would be creatively satisfied there, because he's, you know, a, a particularly creative individual as well, I feel like there would be stuff for him to do at WWE, but I think ultimately wanting to go to wwe at this point means giving up part of what it is that you are as a wrestler and being able to do a lot some of that creative stuff especially if you're being brought in as you know a guy who isn't a top guy in wwe necessarily i feel like he'd be somebody who i would love to see in an upper mid card type of situation i just don't know if that's what he wants for his career to that point, though, Kyle, we look at a guy like L.A. Knight, who is like the current, apparently the current front runner who win money in the bank. That could be a Nick Aldis, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll believe that L.A. Knight when I see it. Let's not forget who still holds both the titles. And you have to remind yourself as we ask ourselves, is L.A. Knight going to beat Roman Reigns? And if the answer is no, which it is, then it's an Austin Theory situation. Uh, you're not wrong there. You're not. Speaking of contracts, we got lots of contract stuff to do. We'll do this one first because I think I wanted to make a point of it, but I don't think I want to end it on this. Apparently, according to Fightful, Becky Lynch is not going to, or is only signed until some point next year. Rylan, this is well, it's a little bit early and it's a little bit speculative at this point. What are your thoughts on Becky Lynch potentially? ending a contract with WWE? Do you think she's going to renew with the company? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, you're one of the top stars on the company, and you have consistently been since the man gimmick really kicked off. Like, even with the time off, like, she was given the title as soon as she got back. She ran with it, ran with a different character, was successful with it, 
built up a, 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 a top star now in Bianca Belair, and she's consistently had great matches. Like, I don't, this is not a situation where I feel like she's jumping ship. This is not a situation where I feel like she wants the, um, sorry, Mercedes Monet treatment and going over to Japan to try new things. I honestly think that she's just going to stick there. She's about to embark on a feud with Trish Stratus. Like, I, I, I think that they have big plans for her and they're going to continue to pay her what she's deserving to be paid uh, or what she's happy with being paid, rather. Um, I, I, again, we don't have those numbers, but this is not somebody who I feel like in 2024 is going anywhere. I disagree with you. Oh. And I'll tell you why. I think she might end up being done with wrestling. I think there's enough ability for her to carry on as an actress that I don't know that she's going to need wrestling anymore. And I know that she loves wrestling, clearly. Like, she, she's in this business because she loves it. The stuff that she sort of went through in, on the independence to get here, she clearly wants to, wants to do this and everything like that. But, you know, those bumps continue to, continue to wear on you i feel like if she has an opportunity to break into hollywood which i think she's more than charismatic and interesting enough to be able to do that i feel like that would be a better direction i don't know that this is going to be her last contract necessarily but i don't think we're going to see as much becky lynch going forward after this contract i think she might be a bit more part-time okay fair enough fair enough Last one we're going to talk about more contract stuff. Jordan Grace apparently is nearing the end of her contract. Yeah, she's been with Impact for a long time. Uh, amazing transformation in the gym. Uh, two-time Impact Women's Champion. Sorry, Knockouts Champion. Um, this is a woman who I could see going to WWE, to AEW. I think that both rosters are better with her on the roster. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, remember what I said about Nick Aldis? Yes. Um, I'm going to say the same thing about Jordan Grace, except about AEW. I don't know that that's where she can go. I don't know that, or rather, I don't know that she'd be interested in going there after the situation with Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, I, 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 although Jonathan Gresham has, in the last few weeks, like done interviews where he regrets um, how that whole situation played out. He I don't regrets his he regrets his choice of words, and I think he regrets the tone and everything like that. I don't think he regrets what he said. Maybe, maybe. I, I just I, I don't just knowing the pro wrestling business like i don't think that's a complete and utter write off but i don't think you're wrong in a sense that i feel like wwe is going to court her and i think they're going to sign her i honestly think they should go like if i'm them i'm going out and writing both of them a big check yesterday yeah yeah both are incredibly talented both are you know great wrestlers both are interesting characters there's a lot that you could do with jonathan gresham and jordan grace and for jordan grace in particular like like you said um definitely the body type that wwe looks for and she it would be a very fascinating counterpoint to some of the other members of their roster i think she'd be a great person to bring into nxt to sort of really kickstart that women's division 
yeah, I would say Jordan Grace would be a great hire for them, and hopefully, hopefully she finds something that she enjoys and gets the requisite compensation she deserves. Certainly. So that will do it for the oh, news. Oh, 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 Kyle, 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 hold up. We got, we got to talk about the WWE potentially making cuts. Oh, right, yeah. Um, so last bit of news, I guess. WWE has announced, I guess Nick Khan announced that there might be some cuts upcoming. I believe the quote is aggressive cuts following the merger with the UFC. Uh, the quote is, if you look at, if you look at what Endeavor was able to take out cost wise from UFC in 2016, shortly after that deal was done, we have the same expectation. We think 50 million is a conservative number. We have integration teams. We're going to get in those. Uh, we're going to get those in shape. I think we have a better sense of it in a month. I think we're going to have a better sense of it in, in a month or so. We're going to be pretty aggressive with uh, them to make sure for our shareholders and our company, our organization as a lean and mean, make it as lean and mean as possible. We are also going to rely on the Endeavor flywheel to make up the rest. Kyle, flywheel has been the big buzz term that this is like... Uh, that has come out of this. Firstly, what the fuck does that mean? And secondly, what are your thoughts on this? You're saying the quiet part out loud, dude. Yes, we knew that with a merger, there was going to be cuts. Because every merger comes with, you know, just a bunch of cuts. That office staff at Stanford is going to get a razor taken to them. And that's really, really terrible because... Frankly, I feel like based on everything that we've heard about it, they fired enough people already during the pandemic of all times mm -hmm. that they really, those people do not deserve it. The people who are working in the office at Endeavor certainly don't deserve it. You know, it's very frustrating. It's the type of stuff that happens during these merger situations. But I feel like, yeah, he's saying the quiet part out loud, which... Especially if you're an employee, man, does that suck to hear in the news? Yeah. Your boss talking about how we're going to be lean and mean and we've got lots of places we can cut. Yeah. Have fun going into the office on Monday. Frankly, if I'm, if I'm at the, their offices, I'm going to start to steal printers at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it's really tone deaf. Is what one, it is. one department I talked with you off air about this was like, imagine seeing a UFC pay-per-view with the WWE production team uh, doing those promo packages, like not to not no knock on the pa packages that you, the UFC team puts together, but it's, it's different. You know, it's different just based on what we've both watched uh, individually with bro both products. Like there's a difference in tone and, and I feel like that UFC team is going to be sweating right now. WWE production team has had to work absolute magic, turning some truly terrible feuds into some very watchable matches by cutting together video packages. They just have yes. a lot more experience with that. And 
Yeah, I, I do. I do feel you that there definitely would be uh, some nerve. I feel like everybody who's involved in that office staff in either places is going to be a little bit nervous right now. Whenever you go through this situation, and I've I've been through situations like this before at different places of work that I've dealt with, it it just sucks. Right, and it's a terrible situation to watch. You know, a company corporate raiders take a hatchet to the people that you work with every day, but that's just sort of the stuff that happens in this type of situation. Hopefully it's not too bad for everybody that they're able to get the severance that they deserve and find gainful employment somewhere else. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited about the cuts. And honestly, for a, somebody in, in, um, Nikon's position to come out and talk about how excited he is for cuts is tone deaf. Absolutely. And that's kind of been his, his MO since it his, sure uh, has. Yeah. It, and you know, that's something that you can do in like a shareholder press release, I guess. And it's not going to look as bad, but just the way that they're doing this whole situation, it's kind of gross, but par for the course. Certainly. Yeah. Kyle, before we get into the, uh, the rundown, as we do every single week on this show, it's time to ask Kyle what he ate. It's time for dinner before dynamite. Mm. Kyle, you weren't at home this week. I wasn't. Well, I, I actually went for wings with some of my friends at my local wing establishment and yeah, it was good. I, I got to have some wings. I had some nachos. I ate too much, so I was paying for it later. But yeah, it was it was a good time to spend some time there before the show and eat some very tasty wings. Rylan, what did you have? <laughs> Jack's going to be proud. I had a filet mignon bacon wrapped with Bernays sauce on top and two hash browns. Wow, that is very... Two hash browns? <laughs> Two hash browns. It was. I needed a starch, and I all I had was hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> Filet mignon with hash browns is a, a fascinating meal. I, I I do have to say. Um, with that, I guess we're gonna get into <laughs> the show proper. It's time to talk about everything that we have seen in this week of AEW Dynamite. It is time for the Wednesday night rundown. So we had a Four Pillars promo to open the show, which led to the announcement of a tournament that was going to lead to the determination for who was going to be facing MJF at Double or Nothing, which of the Four Pillars, of which Darby Allen got the lucky draw to get the bye, which meant tonight's main event was going to be Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy. Then we got a women's match. Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter defeated the Outcasts. In a tag match, the outcasts being Tony Storm and Ruby Soho today. We got an interview backstage, Renee Paquette with Wardlow, and the surprising return of Arn Anderson, who is going to be Wardlow's manager. We then got a segment with the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club. We'll talk about that later, there was a lot to it. 
TNT title match after that, Wardlow defeated Powerhouse Hobbs to become the new TNT champion. In the post-match, a wordless Christian Cage and Luchasaurus came out to give a silent challenge to the new champion. We got an interview backstage with Sammy Guevara. MJF came in. Uh, we're going to talk about that, too, because that was pretty fascinating as well. Jay White defeated Commander in a short-ish, no, that was a relatively uh, reasonably length singles match. In the post-match, we had some more attacks with Juice Robinson and the save made by Sean Spears, of all people, and Absolute Ricky Starks. We had a fascinating segment between Jericho Appreciation Society, Adam Cole, Britt Baker, and the Outcasts. The Acclaimed and Billy Gunn defeated Jericho Appreciation Society, that is Cool Hand Ange and Daddy Magic and Jake Hager in a trios match. And then in our main event, through some chicanery, Sammy Gravara defeated Jungle Boy and in the post-match celebrated with his new best friend, MJF. That is the rundown. This podcast is brought to you by Spear King. Literally. Our producer, RJ, has decided to branch out and brand himself, and we couldn't be more excited to hear that. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you will hear that the production has since improved tenfold, and that's all thanks to Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills, from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout, and the editing of the podcast in its entirety. Spear King puts a royal effort into your product. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have the professional sound that we do without his efforts. So please go support our producer in all of his future endeavors, and don't be afraid to reach out about something you're interested in RJ getting his hands on. That's Spear King Co. on Facebook, at spear.king.co on Instagram, and at Spear King Music on TikTok. Spear King. Music, media, and production. It's time to get into some honorable mentions and our, our list's top five. Rylan, what are your honorable mentions for this week? I've got Lucha Kane. Uh, Lucha Kane looks pretty cool. I'm excited for him and Wardlow. I think that's going to be a great Haas fight. I think we got a, now would be the time, RJ, great Haas fight tonight. I thought we had a great one. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but... Uh, I think that's going to be great. Uh, Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho and Tony Storm. I thought this was a really good match. Didn't crack my top five, but the crowd was with it, obviously being in Britt Baker's hometown of Pittsburgh. Um, there was nothing I could say. Yeah, like the time, <laughs> they got the proper time. They got a good time slot. Like this was, there was nothing wrong with this. It just didn't crack, crack my top five. Uh, you're going to laugh at me for this one. Jay White and Commander. Uh, I thought this was great. Really, really great match. Didn't crack my top five. Uh, it was nice to see Sean Spears, um, I guess, judging in the crowd and then uh, making his uh, presence felt in the post-match. But uh, it's good to see Sean Spears. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and the Acclaimed versus the JAS. I thought that that was all good stuff. Honorable mentions, Luchasaurus, as you said, looks like an absolute boss, and I, I like the, the whole thing with Christian Cage being his manager. 
Everything about the presentation of this looks fantastic. Yes, it appears to be borrowed from Kane, but frankly, that's a good place to borrow from. Early Kane was a very good character. Modern Kane is a very terrible person, but early Kane was a great character. <laughs> Everything to do with the Mark Briscoe, FTR, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett stuff, that was entertaining. I, I, I got a kick out of it, and it's interesting that that is going to be sort of a team in the short stages. I think there's a lot of things that you can do with that that would be very interesting, and I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with it. I also like to see Sean Spears. There's a lot of returns of people and surprises and a, a lot of direction. This felt like a really good show for finding directions as we're moving towards the pay-per-view, which is great to see. We're not even that close to the pay-per-view, but it feels like things are really coming into place going forward. And it's always nice to have a show where everything slots into place like this one did. We're going to move into our top fives. Uh, Rylan, why don't you hit me with your number five? Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, I thought this was a really, really good match between the two of them. I was genuinely shocked that they gave Wardlow the win. I thought Powerhouse Hobbs was the project going forward. And I thought maybe Wardlow was getting a cool down, but it appears that Wardlow is the direction going forward. And obviously, as I said, with Lucha Kane coming out, um, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see where they're going with this. I, yes. Honestly, even a triple threat, a triple threat would be. F- I mean, the triple great. threat between I those love... two and Samoa Joe was phenomenal. Yes, right, right. So, like, my whole thing is just like this can be the Haas title. Yeah. It really can yes. be the Haas title, and I'm happy for it to be the Haas title. So that was my number five. I thought these guys worked their asses off, and I really, really liked this get, match. Get Brian Cage and Lance Archer in there, too. Let's just do yes! all meet yes! all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited for this same direction. We're going to get into it later. Uh, I'm going to move to my number five, which was everything to do with the Elite. And also, I'll say a uh, shout-out to Blackpool Combat Club as well. Man, Daniel Bryan is really taking to this heel character amazingly. And seeing this side of the American Dragon is really cool. I think this group has really rounded into its own. And seeing Bryan sort of establish himself as the leader, I feel like it, it works really nicely. I was not expecting him to turn heel. After the MJF stuff, I was expecting to see him sort of disappear for a bit, but yeah, he's rounding into a really great character and we're building to something really fantastic. I thought the Elite were good. I liked Kenny's promo a lot. I always like Kenny when he has a little bit of an edge to him. Because he is, you know, the, the goofy video game dork who can kick your face in, and I am all for that. And yeah, he... he the promo was really good. We moved to the the brawl was excellent. And we got Takeshita. Yes. Which if he is going to be becoming a member of the elite, I am all for that. He is a fascinating character, a really talented wrestler. That blue thunderbomb, man. That is a sight to behold. I thought this was great. I'm any kind of match we're gonna be building for with these eight would be fantastic. And yeah, just hook it to my veins. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off you with my number four because the elite segment was my number four. I 100 percent agree that Danielson is is becoming such a great heel character, especially after the run he just had with MJF. Just immediately flips a switch and he's a bad guy. And that screwdriver, man, does it ever heal the fuck out of mm-hmm. that guy? Um, but it doesn't matter whether he's calling the crowd fickle or he's calling the wrestlers amateur. This guy's a pro and he knows what he's doing. He's always on top of no matter what story he's in. He's on top of his game. Uh, I think a lot of credit to, to Danielson for this segment. But honestly, the segment itself was great. I love the brawl. I love that it was a back and forth. You didn't see anyone really get one over on the uh, until the end. Yeah. And honestly, it just leads in. Frankly, Blackpool Combat Club had been winning this feud up to this point, and this was a nice evening of the odds, and there's lots of matches that you can go forward with this. There's a lot of ways you can go that are going to be really interesting. I very much look forward to seeing what we're going to get. My number four You're- was um, the women's match, and then the angle later on, I'll sort of piggyback onto it, because I did... I combined a lot of stuff with this, but... I will say that I didn't love that poor Pittsburgh had to watch their hero who had conquered the the baddies at the beginning of the show watch her get vanquished later. But as much as I didn't love Jamie Hayter not being the person to sort of get the pin in this particular match, home crowd, I'm perfectly fine with Britt Baker getting that hometown victory. You know, hometown victories are always good to see. I thought Storm and Soho still looked strong in defeat, and then the cheap shot attack that came after the fact, and getting one over with the assist from Chris Jericho in front of Adam Cole, I thought this was really good to sort of build both of those directions as well. I don't know where we're exactly going with these feuds, because it feels like... The direction for the women, I feel like, is Jamie Hayter and Soraya. I feel like that's the way you gotta go, but I'm not sure. Maybe it's a a multi-woman match. I'm not sure exactly where they're gonna go with it. I would still like it to be the direction to be blood and guts, but it doesn't feel like that's the way we're going. Although, I will say, this is starting to build into quite the blood feud. So, I feel like you have to blow it off in something violent. Who's to say what is exactly it's going to be? And the tricky thing with that, as as soon as I say it, is I don't want to see Saray in a street fight. Cause, but do you, but you want to see her in blood and guts? Yeah, I do because like it's a multi-person match, and you can protect her from like the worst of the bumps for that. I suppose. Like the big the big um, problem with her isn't you know if she takes a chair to the back, that's fine. The worry is the concussions. So that right. would be the worry is just any kind of bump. You wouldn't have her be the person falling off the cage, for example. But yeah, if there's weapons involved in something like that or a match like that and Britt Baker gets to get revenge with a kendo stick, that seems perfectly fine. There's different ways you can go with this, but it does it after last week, it feels like we're in a much better position for a direction, and I'm happy about that. Also, as you often say, we didn't get it in the 
of the 915 slot. That's always nice to see. So, yeah, that's my number four. We're going to talk about that later. Your number three. Semikvara and Jungle Boy. This was great. This was a great main event match between two guys who have been like grinding on this AEW scene for the last like four years. They are two of the four pillars and they killed it. They just killed it. Um, Jungle Boy has really come into his own, I think, in the last year of being just a trim. And like, I I would even go so far as to say since the MJF match at the 2020 Double or Nothing, such a great singles wrestler. Like he was he's a great tag wrestler, too. But when he's in there one on one with somebody who's as good as Sammy Guevara, you know, you're getting a great match. I thought this was great. And I thought both guys came out of it uh, like looking really good. The bump that Jungle Boy took from the apron to the table. My God, the jump he took. Oh, (laughs) so myself and my girlfriend watch Dynamite every week on the phone together. And my head, my phone had died right before that bump. But as soon as the phone got back up and I had called her, she's like a replay was playing. And she was like, man, I knew as soon as that happened that you were going to want to hear my reaction to that. And she was right. I I did (laughs) like just really, really good stuff. So that's my number three. This is a great match between these two, and uh, I'll talk about it a little bit later because I have a little bit higher up. Okay. My number three, everything to do with Wardlow today. I think Arn Anderson coming back and being Wardlow's manager, I think that's great. I think those two are already have shown pretty decent chemistry, so we'll see where it goes for going forward, but... I'm excited to see him get the title back because it felt like he wasn't didn't have a great direction at that moment. Man, everything to do with Luchasaurus coming into and Christian Cage having that stare down. Everybody involved in that is really, really interesting. And they all have managers too, which is kind of fun. Powerhouse Hobbs looked very strong in defeat. And I don't think this really hurts him because this is his first taste of championship gold. And I do think Wardlow having the title is more valuable than Powerhouse Hobbs having the title right now. And I think Powerhouse Hobbs can go in a direction where he can just go off after this feud is over if he's not done with the title. Because frankly, I'd like the triple threat, please. But... If he's not done with the title yet, then or if he's done with the title for now, then you could have him go off and squash some people and just look re- like an absolute boss. The match we saw when it was in Winnipeg against Ray Phoenix is a great example of more of what I want to see out of Powerhouse Hops going forward. Certainly, yeah. Um, what was your thoughts on the Glock being debuted? <laughs> the... Arn Anderson's Glock. It made its 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 official dynamite debut. Uh, Is the Glock all late? <laughs> no comment. Um, it's cool to see Arn back. I think that he is he's at that level of old man where he's going to say whatever he wants, regardless of what you know the company might want him to do. Which Like Ric Flair at a Hall of Fame speech. Which has its ups and downs, we'll say. I think it's going to be entertaining for the time being, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the direction is for this character. I'm just really glad to see Wardlow have a direction, you know? Yeah. 
No, I agree with you on that. We'll move on to your number two, I guess. Uh, the four pillars segment that uh, started the show. Listen, uh, these guys have been great since this this program began. Uh, we saw a great segment in Winnipeg, uh, and ever since then, like Darby Allen has picked up this ability to speak that nobody knew he had <laughs> for the years that Darby Allen has been with AEW. No one knew he was this well spoken. And this has been great. I think he looks great. Sammy Guevara can do everything. He can talk. He can wrestle. He He's fine. MJF, we know he's fine. Jungle Boy, I still struggle sometimes with him talking, but he wasn't bad in this segment at all. And this really makes this whole thing interesting. I like the tournament idea. Uh, I think you said off air that you think it's still going to wind up being a fatal four way. I'm I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. But, um, no, I, I love this program. I think everybody out of this is getting highlighted in one way, shape, or form. Darby's, uh, uh, like, showing he can speak. Jungle Boy can wrestle his heart out. Sammy Guevara can do everything. And MJF is the champion who already has been phenomenal for months and months and months and months and months. So this is really good stuff for me. You're number two. Sorry, this might be a little bit difficult because I have a cat currently changing some of the information on my notes. Um, my number two. No effort. I just want to make that clear. The cat is too adorable and needs to be petted, and that's just the way it has to be. Um, that's fair. RJ might have to cut a little bit of this. We'll see. Nope. My number two is Jay White and Commander. I love seeing Commander. He is the latest interesting flippy boy that they've added to this company. I think he is a really interesting wrestler. Still incredibly young. So talented. Has springs for shoes. The rope walk stuff. The that's that's one thing. That's what my, my girlfriend pointed out that he looks like he's had ballet training. Yeah. It does like Certainly some form of dance or something, because it's just incredibly impressive to see him walk across the ropes. But not just that, though the spot that I think was sort of the biggest one was where he was hopping up and down through all of the different ropes. Yes. Oh my god. And Jay White was just sitting there mesmerized by this person being able to pull that off. It was really, really great. I thought Jay White looked really strong in in victory in this match. This is a great introduction for Jay White on AEW proper as a wrestler, which was good to see. I think the stuff with, again, I still have feelings about Ricky Starks being the direction because I really don't want to see Ricky Starks lose right now. But the Sean Spears stuff is also interesting. We'll see where all of this goes. But I feel like we're going to get a direct. This seems to be a direction for double or nothing. What exactly it turns out to be remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to see where we're going with this. And I wasn't that way last week. So yeah, seeing Jay White wrestle always helps with Jay White. You know what's one more interesting thing about Commander? What's that? He's all elite! Um, He's all elite, Kyle. He's all elite. They, they did announce that Commander is all elite, which is excellent to see. 
Love that. I like I love the match too, but it just it wasn't it wasn't able to beat out the talkie talkie on this show for me. That's fair. I just for me, this is exactly what I feel like this is the same thing as the four pillars, sort of the, the talking segments today. We'll get to that stuff. And the same thing with uh with Britt Baker and Adam Cole and all these things. Those felt like directions and big things that they desperately needed. The thing that I desperately needed from Jay White was a proper introduction. And this match felt like a really good introduction to Jay White. I know we've seen him in AEW before and he's wrestled, you know, he wrestled on the, in the Fatal 4-Way at um, Forbidden Door last year. But yeah, we needed to see him wrestle, I think, and this was a really good match. Yeah, certainly, certainly. We'll move on to number one. Rylan, what was your number one this week? It had to be the Adam Cole Jericho promo. I thought number one, them both coming out, addressing each other, Cole saying that he respects Jericho, Jericho saying he has zero respect for him, and then it all broke down to a brawl, which Britt Baker made the save for, which I loved. Adam Cole's got so many friends, but Britt Baker's his girlfriend. And man, I feel like if I was getting beaten up by a 52-year-old Winnipeg guy, my girlfriend would come out and defend me too. I would hope so. (laughs) I love this. It broke down into the uh, Adam Cole being, uh, what was it, handcuffed to the rope. Yeah, he was handcuffed to the rope. Uh, Danny, watch Danny Garcia came out to to break up the brawl between Jericho and Cole, and then the uh, and then Baker came out to break up that brawl, and then of course we had the uh, the Outcast come out and just beat Britt Baker live in Pittsburgh up and down with the kendo stick to Adam Cole reacting to it. Like the fans were not having this. No, but you know what though, perfect place to do this segment. Mm -hmm. If you're going to get heat, perfect place to do this segment. And I thought, and I will say this, this segment did a lot of heavy lifting for that. This like program that the outcasts are having with the originals of AEW. This did a lot of heavy lifting for that. And what's sad is what's really sad is where the hell was Jamie Hader? That's a very good question. It is a very, very good question. And I think where was Rebel? Where was Rebel, Kyle? <laughs> it is hard to say, truly. But I, yeah, it, it's good to see Britt Baker got, you know, the, the hero spot in the opening match, which was great to see in front of the home crowd. And then the home crowd had to pay for it by watching this. This was this was an effective segment for sure, but it was not my number one. I didn't even see. I'm. I was. I arrived late home uh, to see the opening segment. I wasn't able to to watch that. And still, the four pillars are my number one today. The segment backstage with Sammy Guevara and MJF was simple but so very effective. It hits all the story beats. Sammy Guevara is willing to do what it takes to be the champion in the same way that MJF is. MJF is a, you know, privileged asshole who's willing to buy his way to whatever it takes. Seeing them with the blank check was fantastic. Renee Paquette sort of peeking over Sammy Guevara's shoulder, too. Renee makes every segment better. All the interview stuff, she's always just... 100% knows how to do every bit of it. She's a total pro. It's fantastic to see. 
And then the match itself, seeing MJF come out and hit Jangle Boy with the diamond ring. Everything about that match was amazing up until that point. It gave you enough without giving the match totally away. Right. On free TV. We're clearly building to something. I feel like we might get another messy finish next week, which could build us to that fatal four-way. I'm not opposed to that fatal... F- I, like, I think that should be the match at Double or Nothing. It, it's the four pillars fatal four-way. Like, yeah. you, you, it makes the most sense. Yeah. So I do think that is that should be the direction going forward. And we're building to it in a really interesting way. We've got lots of time left, too. And this sort of temporary alliance between Sammy Guevara and MJF is really interesting. Because Sammy Guevara has sort of been waffling between um, a heel. He's been, at very least, like the hard-working heel, as juxtaposed to MJF doing whatever it takes and taking the easy road in certain ways. But yeah, no, Sammy Guevara has a price, and he found it. Mm-hmm. And apparently it caught MJF by surprise, but he was still willing to pay it. <laughs> and seeing them celebrate together in the ring at the end of it was just... This Pittsburgh crowd watched a lot of heel heels getting one over on faces, and I do hope Rampage at least sent them home happy a little bit because, man, alive! This was they they watched their their hero get beaten down by by a kendo stick, and they watched Jungle Boy get cheated out of a victory today. This is just really good stuff all the way around. Uh, Ryan, what do you give this show? It's got to be a five. Yeah, I, I'm fully with you. I feel like this felt like a really great building show towards the pay-per-view, and it makes me excited for the programs leading into it. we got about a month left of TV before we get there, and yeah, I'm looking forward to all of it. Yeah. Kyle, before we get into the socials and the where you can find us uh, listening-wise, uh, I do want to say next week... The return of DK, he's been in the UK for a long time now, and he's coming back to tell some stories. Uh, The end of the month, the last day of April, we will drop a world's funniest podcast. We don't have a title yet, but uh, there's going to be some wacky stories on there for sure. For sure. Um, And with all that being said, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to us where they can find us podcast-wise? If you want to find us online, you can find us on most of the podcasting on most of the podcasting apps. We are on Amazon Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we are on Google Podcasts. We're on a bunch of them. You can probably find us in most places in your pod catcher of choice. If you want to find us on the interwebs, we are at on Twitter at WMWallop, WMWallop on Instagram. If you search Wednesday Night Wallop on Facebook, you're probably going to find us. Three letters, my name, Rylan's name. We're there. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at LeregendaryKJ. That is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. Kyle, send the fine folks who listen to this podcast home happy... Thank you so much for listening to the show. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been walloped. Good night!
You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.